everyone. Awesome. I, maybe you're wondering, every week we, we, we're going to be doing a Christmas song, right, as we, as we kind of launch into our service, into the ministry time. And, and what's, what they've handed out during Bryn's song is a flyer. I don't know if you've seen that before, but it's a flyer for our Christmas Eve's Eve. And, and like Bryn was talking about the Evergreens tour, what we do here at Elevate is something called Christmas Eve's Eve, because we know all you, all you Hispanics, you guys celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. You just can't wait to the actual day. You got to do it the day before. And uh, so what would happen is we, traditionally we'd do a Christmas Eve service and uh, we, we had no color in the building. So what we decided to do was uh, go ahead and, and, and celebrate Christmas Eve. We'll do, we'll do that traditional service on the eve of the Christmas Eve, okay? And so the 23rd, we're gonna do a special musical presentation. It's gonna be a Christmas event for the entire family, okay? And so we just want everyone to come out. There's gonna be, there's gonna be a musical, all kinds of songs for Christmas. We're gonna present this, the Christmas story in a really unique and creative way. Uh, we're gonna have goodies and stuff for, all the, uh, for, for the whole family. It's gonna be a great time. So that's gonna take the place of our normal midweek service. So we'll be right here in the sanctuary on this Thursday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. So don't miss that. That's going to be a fantastic time. Also, a couple of the other things that are happening around the Christmas season here at Elevate is on the 19th, all of our kids, I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of our kids have been, uh, they haven't been with us during the worship portion of our service. They've actually been, been getting a head start so they can uh, get ready for their performance. Our E-Kids Christmas performance is on the 19th. So Sunday the 19th is going to be a fantastic time. Uh, our kids always do a fantastic job uh, presenting the Christmas Christmas story. This year will be no different. Uh, looking forward to actually doing it in the Christmas season. If you remember last year, uh, we had an outbreak of COVID in here. All the kids had COVID. We, did, we had to cancel the performance. We did the Christmas performance in January last year. So hopefully this year uh, we'll have it during the Christmas season. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Also next week, somebody say next week. Next week, we are going to have um, photos for all of our kids. Uh, Santa is going to be here, believe it or not. We invited him to church. He's coming next Sunday. And uh, so Santa is going to be in the back. We'll be taking pictures with all the kids. We'll have those photos available for you. Uh, we're going to print them out. We're going to have them available right here at church. And so it's a great opportunity to bring someone with you, someone who's got kids. We always do a great job with those kids' photos. Our media team, uh, all, all of our photographers do, do a fantastic job with that. So that's going to be happening next. Sunday, as well as, it's very important, next week, um, all, of, all of you that have, have um, sponsored a, um, one of the foster children, homeless children, right here in the city of Orange, uh, through our Orange Unified School District, if you've sponsored a child, those gifts for them are due next Sunday. And so it's very important that you bring those in. I know many, I saw a bunch of bags already, many of you have already taken care of that. Uh, we got ours in last week. The next week is the, is the moment that they're due. We've got 75 of them, we gotta get them in. Uh, so just a reminder to you to bring those in next Sunday. All right, praise the Lord. Before I jump into uh, our brand new series here, Noel, uh, I do want to let you know that today is Mission Sunday. Mission Sunday. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be a part of a church that's involved in world missions. On a regular basis, we're involved in world missions. And I was thinking about uh, that this week uh, because we did get a text message from um, Pastor Eric from Ghana. They, th this was the week that they were able to do the pastor's conference that we paid for in Ghana, West Africa. And, and Eric sent us a text message this week, and he was so grateful. He was overwhelmed, and he had to stop in the middle of the conference just to send a message to our church thanking us uh, for allowing them to do that, that, that um, conference. 
And as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of the Apostle Paul. And in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, many of you would be familiar with, with the scripture uh, Philippians 4.13. Everybody, anybody that's a, a save for any length of time, you, you've got a coffee mug or a magnet sticker on your refrigerator with that scripture which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And a lot of times we'll use that scripture uh, to, to, you know, maybe before we're gonna do something, you know, super hard, and, and, or maybe you'll tell your kid, I, I'll never be able to pass this test. No, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So we totally remove it from its context and use it for whatever we wanna use it for. But, but what's interesting is when, when Paul writes that, he's writing to the Philippian church. And if you read just right before he says, I can do all things, he's actually thanking the, the church for them participating in his, ministry, his mission journey. So Paul was a missionary. He was starting churches all over, and, and the Philippian church was one of the, one of the congregations that had taken the apostle Paul under their wing and had sponsored him and, and given him uh, gifts financially. And so what he was saying was, hey, I wanna thank you for allowing me to do what I'm doing on the mission field. Um, I recognize it's your gift that's making a way for me, but even if you didn't give, I can still do all things through Christ. So he was acknowledging that, that, that it was God that was enabling him to do what God had called him to do, but there was some help that was coming from others, right? And then in verse 17, I want you, if you can, look at, just glance at, at this. He says, he says, guys, I'm not necessarily seeking a gift or more money from you. He says, but, but instead, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, Paul recognized that, that although their gifts made his mission trip possible, his missions possible, that really the one that was benefiting from, from the giving was the people doing the giving. He was saying, he was saying I'm not, I, I mean, thank you for the gift, but really the one who gets blessed out of all this, it's you. It gets credited to your account. And so I just wanna, I wanna challenge you and let you know that every time you give the missions, every time you do what's right with your finances, it's credited to your account. It's an act of faith that God looks upon kindly and he, he takes care of you, meets your needs according to his riches and glory. And so when we give the missions, we recognize sometimes it's a sacrifice to give the missions. Sometimes it's a sacrifice that we have to take from what we would normally be spending on our own selves and we have to, we have to make a decision, you know what, I'm gonna give so that the, 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 the mission of God can go forward in this world. And let me tell you something, the blessing is yours for making that choice. So just challenging you to give. If you're giving this morning, there's lots of ways that you can do that. Uh, you can give via our app. You can, you can scan that code to give electronically. There's also envelopes behind the chairs and giving boxes in the back. You can just drop that envelope right in the giving box as, as you go today. Uh, but I wanna thank every person who, 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 who makes it their tradition who makes it their normal practice to give to the Lord. God sees that, it's credited to your account, amen. Let's pray, Father thank you for every gift that's given to missions. We thank you for what you're doing in Ghana. We thank you for the, the conference the pastors were able to have. I pray Lord that it'd be beneficial to them not just this week, Lord, but, but, but in the years to come. Lord, that you would challenge and speak to them in such a way, Lord, that it helps them in their endeavors. And we, we thank you that we're able to be a part of that with our giving. Now bless our giving today. Every, every gift that's given to missions, I pray you'd use it, Lord, to do great, you'd multiply it to do great things in this world. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. How many excited that, that we are finally in the official Christmas season? All right? 
It's now okay to put up your Christmas trees, listen to the Christmas carols. And I know many of you jumped the gun. My daughter decorated her room on November 1st, okay? And I know many of you were right behind her. Carrie Carrie pulled out all of our Christmas decorations uh, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, which to me is just not not right. Like there's something wrong about that, um, but but I I understand. I kind of let it go and let it slide and just ignore it until Thanksgiving is over, at which time I officially feel it's okay to listen to Christmas carols in my car, all right? It's okay to acknowledge the Christmas movies and, and all of the things that are, that are going on. And, and I don't know if you noticed, even yesterday, just driving around the city, all of a sudden you just kind of felt the hustle and bustle. Did anybody feel it? Like you just, you just feel like the streets are crowded, people are going everywhere really fast, and there's something about the, the invasion of the Christmas season. And, and, and there's so many things that invade our lives during this season. Have you noticed that? So many things. I mean, from, from family problems to, to, to debt, anxiety, guilt, ru- the, the rush, extra pounds kind of invade our, our, our space a little bit. And I think all of these things attempt to rob from us Noel. Try to take away from us Noel because Noel, the story of Christmas is an invasion, but it's not an invasion of any of those things. The story of Christmas isn't an invasion of heaven coming to earth. Now when you think about the word Noel, I I didn't really even know what it meant. You know, it just, I sang about the song, The First Noel, and we see Noel everywhere. I, I saw a funny, I saw a funny clip. I was going to have it up for you, but I forgot, but it was, it was letters that spelled out Noel, and someone did it backwards, and it said Leon, and, 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 and I thought that was funny. But anyways, uh, Noel actually means Christmas. It's not some like deep, crazy meaning. It actually just simply means Christmas. It, it means birthday. If you, if, you can, if you can just kind of think about it, it means good news. And so the word Noel, it means Christmas, good news, and birthday. And that's pretty much what we're celebrating, the birth of our Savior, the, 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 the Christmas time, the good news of the gospel, heaven invading earth. And so this past little, little few weeks, I've been preparing for this Christmas series and, and what we're going to be talking about this month. And, and that's what just hit me, is what, what, what it Jesus is what makes it possible for us to experience heaven on earth. That that God's will for our lives is to to experience even now on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's plan for our life. And maybe you can just think back to the time that heaven invaded your life. Maybe you can just think back to the time when, when, when God got a hold of your family. Because the moment Jesus steps on the scene, in any situation, in any circumstance, things have to change. Life as we know it doesn't stay the same when Jesus enters it. Like, like everything has to change. When heaven invades, everything changes in a very good way. Can somebody say amen to that? And so this morning at the beginning of this Christmas season, I want to read with you uh, the beginning of the Christmas story. And it's the story of when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, leaves heaven. Heaven is where Gabriel lives. Heaven is the culture that Gabriel is from. And the Bible tells us the story of Christmas. The first part of it is Gabriel, the archangel, invades earth and has an interaction with Mary. And in that interaction, I believe it highlights for us the differences between life in heaven and life on earth. 
All of a sudden, as he begins to talk, as he begins to make this announcement to Mary, I believe Gabriel gives us a glimpse into heaven's perspective of what our lives should be like when heaven invades. Because our lives are meant to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so when Jesus comes into your world, that's his goal. That's the goal of God for your life, is that your life will be on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody agree with the preacher and say amen. All right, so Luke chapter one, we're gonna read this, this portion of scripture together. Maybe, maybe you could look at it with new eyes today and try to see the culture that Gabriel's bringing from heaven and introducing to earth. Look at it in verse number 26. The Bible says that it was the sixth month and the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at what he said and considered what manner of greeting that this was. And then the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign in the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I, I, I've not even known a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest is gonna overshadow you and therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Now, I think right here at the beginning of this story, we get kind of a glimpse of God's plan. God's plan was always to invade earth with, earth with heaven. It was always to invade. His will is that your life would look more like heaven than it does on earth, all right? So, so what, what, what God's plan is, he's, he's chosen Mary to deliver his son, heaven in the flesh, God in the flesh, to be born into hum humanity as a human being. And in, as a part of this plan, we know that Jesus would fulfill all of the requirements. He would, he would never make, never sin. He'd, he'd never do anything wrong. He fulfills the entire law. He's completely 100% perfect. And then we know that he would later give his perfect life in an exchange for our imperfection. That, that later on, we know the story, the end of the story is that Jesus is going to go to a cross and he's going to die for our sins. The cross was a place of transaction. See, up until this point, the priest would have to, every year, once a year, would have to find a spotless, perfect lamb. A lamb that had no spot, that had no wrinkle. And he'd have to bring this lamb in a sacrificial event. And the priest would lean on the lamb and what was happening in that moment was a, was a transaction that transferred onto this perfect lamb were all the sins of Israel. And then they would sacrifice this lamb and the sins would be taken care of, the debt would be taken care of, and God would be able to have relationship with his people once again. The blessings of God could be on his people once again. 
Well, we know that Jesus came. He's walking along the river. John the Baptist sees him and calls him out. And what does he say? He says, behold the Lamb of God. So now all of a sudden, the, the, the sacrificial traditions that have been going on year after year, now they're, they're being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb. Behold the lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And so we know that Jesus became our sacrifice. Is anybody grateful for that, all right? He, he, be, he was perfect, he, 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 he fulfilled the law, and he died on the cross. And I think it's important that we understand that the shape of the cross is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. We know that the vertical beam, the, the, the beam, the up and down beam, it represents that our relationship in that moment, on that cross, that our relationship with God was made perfect. That we could now have uninterrupted relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. But there's also a, a horizontal beam, and that horizontal beam represents our relationships with each other. That not only did Jesus on the cross fix our relationship with God, but he also enabled us to have right relationships with each other. Oh, come on, somebody missed a great spot to say amen. Jesus on the cross, that transaction, it enabled us to have perfect relationship with God and right relationship with each other. Somebody should give the Lord some praise for that. That's amazing, thank you God, thank you Jesus. And so, so all of a sudden, at the beginning of this story, we know what happens, we, we understand the end, we see what God was doing, but we learn a lot from the beginning. Because Mary is just a regular teenage girl. And at the time of this encounter with Gabriel, she's engaged to a guy by the name of Joey, all right? All right, Joey and Mary, They're, they are a thing, all right? Joey and Mary, I'm sure their families probably were friends, they knew each other, they were probably hanging around at Lake Galilee one summer, summer week on family vacation, and, and, and they're sitting around the bonfire, and Joey is kinda over here, and he, he kinda spots Mary, and all of a sudden there's like, there's a little thing going on between them, and he kinda motions, let's go for a walk, and you can kinda picture Joey, teenage Joey, teenage Mary and they get the permission of their parents to kind of kind of scoot away and, and and they begin to walk along the lake and Joey's hand brushes up against Mary's and all of a sudden the digits interlock. How many know everything changes when the digits interlock? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember the time that I mean this is one thing. This is entirely different. You know what I'm talking about? And so there they are and they've got they've got puppy love and they're 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 kind of doting on each other and Joseph says, you know, Mary, when when I think about my life and I think about getting married, I picture being married to someone like you. And Mary goes, oh, that's funny, Joey, because when I think about my life and getting married, I picture myself getting married to someone like you. And we know how the story goes. They end up getting engaged. And, and really, Mary, at this point in her life, all she knows is she wants to spend the rest of her life with the man of her dreams, this young man by the name of Joseph. And then all of a sudden, just, just because this is how God works, he just kind of invades the scene. How many of you know that, 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 that there's gonna be plenty of interruptive moments with God? That's how God works. He just kind of interrupts. The angels, they show up unannounced. They never knock. Kind of like my, my son Jordan. It reminds me of, of, of my son Jordan. You know, Carrie and I, it'll be, it'll be a, you know, Saturday night and, and the, the kitchen is cleaned. It's dark and 
it's, it's quiet, it's wonderful, and we'll, we'll turn on a movie, and, 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 and who knows what's going to happen. You know, it's going to be a great night, and all of a sudden, I hear, doo, 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 and all of a sudden, there comes Jordan. Hi, guys. What are you doing? And I'm like, are, are you serious? Like, bro, what, what do you think we're doing? Like, isn't it obvious what we're doing right now? We're just kind of, but that's how heaven does. Heaven just kind of shows up unannounced. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and so all of a sudden, Gabriel, remember, he's just left the culture of heaven. That's, his, that's, that's all he knows. Gabriel's just left heaven. He lives in heaven. And now he's invading earth. He's coming to invade Mary's life. And, 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 and all of a sudden, as he enters the atmosphere of earth, I'm sure he notices it's a little different here than it is there. Like there's a little different, and this is a little bit different atmosphere, different culture that I'm used to. And I'm sure Gabriel begins to notice immediately there's a difference between earth and heaven. It's like, it's like he's noticing, and you can just kind of tell by, by the first word that he says that something's missing on earth that's always going on in heaven. Because the very first word that Gabriel says is rejoice. Gabriel shows up on the scene, and instantly the first word out of Gabriel's mouth is rejoice. Because when heaven invades your life, heaven commands you to rejoice. Are you with me today? The earth is never more like heaven than when we're worshiping. Why do we do this every Sunday? Why do we come and we sing about the goodness of God and lift our hands to God and we speak about the, the relentless love of God? Why, why do we do this? Because, because the earth is never more like heaven than when we're worshiping God. Come on. If you're in the foyer during worship, you're making a mistake. You're missing out on what God intends for your life to experience, rejoicing. Rejoicing. If you want heaven on earth, if you want heaven in your family, you have to start rejoicing. If you want your home to sound more like heaven and less like hell, you gotta start rejoicing. The earth has this default setting. The default setting of earth is this, whining and complaining. Like that's just, that just, we whine and complain about everything. Have you ever noticed that? Like a lot of times your, your conversations center around whining and complaining. We whine, we whine and complain about our spouse. We whine and complain about our kids. We, complain, we whine and complain about our job, our house, our dog, our finances. We whine and complain about the church, the pastor, his sermon. We, we whine and complain about the people that have wronged us, the people that have let us down, the people who have dropped the ball. We whine and complain about the government, the school system. We complain that the turkey was a little dry on Thanksgiving, all right? We complain, we whine and complain about everything because that's the default setting of earth. And so the angel comes and he says, I'm invading, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing heaven to earth. I'm invading earth and what I'm gonna bring is rejoicing. Because when I, when I read my Bible, I discover that the things that kept God's people from the promise was whining and complaining. They never got, they couldn't experience the promised land as long as they were whining and complaining because there's a language that unlocks heaven and it's called praise. It's called worship, it's called rejoicing. And then there's a language that blocks heaven, there, there's a language that, that causes heaven to flow, and there's a language that causes heaven to be blocked up, amen? And so what you need to understand is that the, when we whine and complain, we block what God wants to do in our life. The problem is, is this, we've been brought up in a fallen world. We've been brought up in this default 
culture, this default setting. And so what we've learned is that when our child or when we do something good, well then, then we deserve some sort of praise. And so our kid gets an A in geometry, and now all of a sudden we're clapping, we're singing, we're jumping up and down, we're, 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 we're very nice, we're happy, there's smiles, maybe an exchange of gifts. There could be some, some money trend, you know, kind, of, kind, of, kind of given out. Because when we, we're teaching our, our kids and what we've learned ourselves is that when we do something, when we perform a certain way, we deserve some praise. But that's not the culture, that's not the way heaven functions. When, when heaven invades, it's on earth as it is in heaven. And when I read my Bible, what I read is that praise always comes before breakthrough. Praise always comes before the blessing. So when I think about the children of Israel and they're marching around Jericho, it's, it's a land that's, a, that's been promised to them. It's a city that's, that's, that's theirs. And they're marching around Jericho. And before there's even a crack in the wall, Joshua commands the people to lift up a shout. And when they lift up a shout, all of a sudden the walls come down. Because praise precedes the breakthrough. When I think about Paul and Silas, there they were preaching the gospel. They're imprisoned. They're, 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 they're um, bound with chains. And they're thrown into the center of the prison. It had been easy for them to complain, but the Bible says they began to worship God in the midnight hour, and as they worshiped, an earthquake came, their chains fell off, and they were set free. Praise came first, and then the breakthrough. Are you with me today? And so what we know is that Satan, he doesn't want you praising. He doesn't want you rejoicing. It's the last thing Satan wants you to do, why? Well, because the Bible says in Psalms 22, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? That means that God actually lives in the praise of his people, that when your praise goes up, the Bible says his presence comes down. It lives in that praise, and when God's presence is present, his power flows. Somebody say amen. So the devil knows, look, in order to get to stop the flow, to keep a lid over your life, a lid over your family, all I've gotta do is keep you from praising, keep you from rejoicing. I, I can stop, if I can stop you from doing that, I can stop heaven's blessing from entering your life. So I think what, need, what we need to do is understand that we know Satan is gonna attack and he's gonna come at us every which way. He's gonna come at your health. He's gonna come at your finances. He's gonna try and steal your time and rob your joy and, and attack your home. And what we need to understand and recognize is that when Satan does that, it's actually a reminder to us that it's time to praise God. Did you hear me today? That when Satan comes against us and we know that he, he will, we can just look at the, at, at the culture of heaven that when, when all things are going bad and the people begin to praise, all of a sudden God brings a breakthrough. And so we don't praise God because of what he's done. We praise God because we know what he's about to do. Somebody shout amen. So when I'm facing a difficulty, that's the time I need to lift up and rejoice the most. How, how is that possible? How, how, how do you do that? When I'm facing an impossibility in my situation, that's when I need God the most. I'm gonna praise him regardless of what my circumstance says. The Bible says in, one, in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, come on Rachel, oh my soul and forget not his benefits. Man, we have a lot to give God praise for. When we praise him, his presence comes down. I think about, I think about Moses. Moses was a servant of God 
was God's deliverer. He was an amazing, I think about all the things that Moses did. He took his staff, threw it down, and became a snake. That's pretty amazing. He took his staff and, and put it into the Red Sea, and all of a sudden the, the, the sea began to split so they could walk across on dry ground. He took his staff and water came out of a rock. I mean, he, he lifted his staff and God gave the children, the children of God the victory. And all of the things that, that, that God allowed Moses to be a part of. And so the Bible tells us he gets to, about to, to be 120 years old. And, and the Bible says that he's just kind of reached the end. It's like a forced retirement. God says, all right, Moses, this is what we're gonna do. This is your last day on the job. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take you up on a mountain. I'm gonna show you the promised land from up there. You're not going in. I'm gonna let you see it. And, and then you're just gonna kind of be done, like forced retirement. You're, 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 you're over. And so Moses at least has this day to leave something for God's people. He's, 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 he's walked with these people for years. He's led them for years. He has a burden for them. And he's, he's got an opportunity, he's got 24 hours to figure out what am I gonna leave these people. Now if I'm Moses, I'm leaving them the staff. Because if anything represents Moses and what he was able to accomplish, it's that stick. Like there's a lot of power in that stick. You figure leave the stick behind, kind of like the mantle, Elijah, Elijah, all that kind of, just leave the stick. They can still have the stick, wave it around. God can do all kinds of great things. But, but what's interesting is that's not what, what, what Moses leaves. He's not leaving behind the stick. He gives them something even more powerful than his staff. He, the last thing that Moses gave the children of Israel was a song. It was a song. And you can read the entire song in, in Deuteronomy 32, here's an excerpt for you in verse three. It says, for I proclaim the name of the Lord. I ascribe greatness to our God. He's the rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just, a God of truth and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. Moses knew, knew something that I think all of us need to understand this morning, that your strength is tied to your song. Your strength is tied to your song. Your strength and your song are connected. It's so important. If you don't have a song, you don't have strength. You don't have strength. The devil knows this, and that's why he wants to take away your song. He wants to take away your joy. He, want, he wants to take away your ability to rejoice. In Isaiah 54, there's a story about a barren woman. And the prophet Isaiah is speaking to this barren woman. This woman literally has no reason to rejoice. Everyone that would look at her would think, man, she's cursed. She's done something wrong. She's got nothing to celebrate. She's got no legacy. She's barren. The, the, the pain of that would be hor horrendous for this woman. But Isaiah speaks to her and says, sing, oh, barren woman. You who have not born, break forth into singing. Cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. The, the prophet Isaiah was appealing to this barren woman. And, and he was saying this. He was saying, sing over your family. You know why he was saying that? Because what you sing about, you bring about. Are you with me today? She probably felt, I, I have no reason to sing. I, I'm barren. And, and, and so Isaiah says, don't sing about your, your, your barrenness. Sing about your family. Don't keep whining and complaining about your situation. Start singing. Because what you sing about, you bring about. 
That's why when you sing and you come to the house of the Lord and, we, and we, we begin to sing, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. All of a sudden, the rejoicing of who we are in Christ, come on, it parallels what heaven's culture and the blessing of heaven begins to enter into our life. Somebody say amen. I thank God. I thank God. I think about all the, what does rejoice mean? Rejoice means to, it, it, it means to, to, to uh, give thankfulness with your voice. It's to express with your, your voice all of the things that God has done for us. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. So in my life, and maybe you could take this as, as your custom, in my life, I, I try to think about three different things to be thankful for. I'm, I'm first of all thankful for what, where God's brought me from what he's done in my life. I remember being a teenager, trying to please everyone and failing miserably on all fronts. Just being confused, and I remember uh, everything kind of came to a head, and I, I found myself lost, disappointing everyone and disappointing myself. And that's when God got a hold of my life and invaded my life. That's when I said yes to God, I began to serve Jesus, and God began to put my life back together. But I remember thinking, thinking as a young kid, Man, I'm, I've failed God so many times. And, and I've tried, like I've gone to the altar, and I've asked God to forgive me, and, but then I keep making the same mistakes. On my best day, I'm a three out of 10. Even today, honestly, my best day, I'm a three of a 10. How, how, many, how many are like a 30% good, all right? I mean, I, I try, but there's a lot of gap. And I'm just grateful that I serve a God that says, you know what, Adam, it's okay that you're a three of a 10 because my grace is sufficient for you. My grace fills in the gap, amen? God's grace comes into my life, so I thank God for what he's done. But I also thank God for what he's doing. Like, I, I, need, to, I need to be quick to realize and look around me at all the blessings that are happening in my life. So I thank God for my marriage. I thank God for my family. I thank God for this church. I thank him for all of the blessings that are, that are happening every day that a lot of times we just, for, we just miss. But God's doing something in our lives all the time. Are, are you with me? So I thank God for what he's done. I thank God for, for what he's doing. And I thank God for what he's about to do. Because I know that God's not done with me. I know he's not done with my family. I know he's not done with his church. That our best days are in front of us. So I thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what is still to come. Come on. When heaven invades your life, you'll rejoice. Somebody say amen. Come on. I was really hoping like everybody stand on their feet, on their chair, be like, whoa, yeah, but it didn't happen, all right. Number two, I'm looking at this invasion of Gabriel and, and Mary. All of a sudden I began to see that the angel appears to Mary and says this. She says, rejoice, highly favored one, blessed are you among women. And what I began to realize is that heaven's view of you is different than your view of you. Heaven sees you differently than you see you. Do you know what I'm talking about? So Mary, she doesn't view herself as highly favored. She's, she doesn't view herself as number one amongst women. But that's what heaven says about her. Heaven just comes, the culture of heaven looks at Mary and doesn't see that she's this really young, inexperienced, teenaged girl that likes this snotty-nosed brat by the name of Joseph. Like, that's not what heaven sees. Mary, Mary sees herself as not highly favored. So when, when, when Gabriel comes and says, rejoice, highly favored one, you are blessed among women, all of a sudden, Mary's like, are you talking about me? 
She was conf- I'm sure she was confused at what was going on because she, she probably said, wait a second, I don't see myself as the highly favored one, all right? I don't see myself as the ble- highly blessed among women, but that's how God sees you. God sees you differently than you see you. God sees you, heaven sees you differently than you see you. God, God, we see our mistakes, right? We see all of our flaws. We see all of the areas that we've screwed up, all the areas, the dysfunctions of our lives. We see all of our setbacks. All of, all of the, 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 all of the, that's what we see. But heaven looks at us and, and looks at us and sees our potential. When God looks at us, he sees the spirit of, uh, he sees the spirit of God living inside of us. When, when God looks at you, he sees your soul receiving his word this morning. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ that's dwelling inside of you. He, he sees you as you can be. He sees you as you will be. Romans says this, that, that, he, that, 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 that God calls things that are not as though they are. So, so we see all of the reasons that we're not. He sees all the reasons that we are. He's, he's calling us out of where we are into where he has us. He's calling us out of darkness. Somebody say amen. He's calling us out of bondage. He's calling us out of slavery. He's calling us out of addiction. He's calling us out of, a la- out of lack. He's calling us out of struggle. He's calling us out of where we are today into where he has us for our future. Amen. And so you've got to make the decision that I'm going to go with what God says about me. I like the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. Do you guys like it? I like the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. Thank you. And the scripture says this. Just look at it. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Now, a lot of translations kind of mess this one up a little bit. Because I think a lot of times the way we, we, we remember this scripture is, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. How many, how many recognize it that way? But, but I love the, the, the New King James because I think it captures the scripture better. It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. And what that tells me is that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, that God is thinking thoughts toward me. He's filling my airspace with thoughts. We think that God's thinking thoughts about us. We think that God's thinking, man, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe that she went there. I can't believe she said that, he said that, he did that. We think that God's thinking like that, but that's not, how, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that he's thinking thoughts toward you. So he's feeling, it's like, it's like radio signals. That he's just filling the, the airspace all around you. He's thinking thoughts toward you. The problem is, is we view is how we view ourselves. Because we, what we're seeing, what, what fills our airspace is all the mistakes we've made. All, all of the ways that we've screwed up and made mistakes, but here's God. God's sending new airwaves, and he's just, he's just hoping that one of those thoughts that he's thinking toward us will land. He's hoping that one of us will just tune into his thoughts. He's hoping that all of a sudden we'll just kind of tune into I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. Greater is he that's in you, that he's, it's in the world. You are a child of God. He's just hoping that the thoughts that he's thinking toward you, that all of a sudden you'll land on them and grab a hold of it. Are you with me today? So he just keeps thinking thoughts toward you. Why? He's hoping just one thought, if one thought could land and invade your spirit, it would change your life forever. Somebody shout amen. 
He's hoping that one thought will get through your self-disqualifications. He's hoping that, that all of a sudden you'll grab a hold of greater is he that's in me, that I'm a child of God, that in my father's house there's a place for me, that God's got a destiny and a plan and a purpose for me. And once his thought gets through all the muck and the mire of your own self-disqualifications, it changes everything about you. Here's the thing I think, I think we need to understand is that the, the place of agreement is the place of power. So Satan works overtime to whisper into your ear all of the things you've messed up with. He's, he's working overtime, all the mistakes you made. Here's the crazy thing. The devil's the one that told you it was okay to do it in the first place, right? He said, hey, go ahead, you can do that. Nothing will happen to you. So then you do it, and then he says, I can't believe you did that. Why'd you do that? You're such a knucklehead. And you're like, I, you told me to. See, the devil, that, that's how Satan works. It's so, it's so twisted. Do you, do you see that today? And so, and so what God's trying to do is he's trying to, he's trying to somehow allow the, the, the thoughts that he's thinking toward you to get through all of the noise so that you can identify who you truly are. Come on, are you with me today? It's like Gideon, he's there on the threshing floor. He's threshing wheat. He, he pictures himself as a weakling. He's hiding from the Midianites. And the, and the word of God comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Once Gideon saw himself not as a weakling, but once he saw himself the way God saw him, he was able to lead God's people into victory. There's Moses. He's on the backside of a desert. He's, he's just a shepherd. He's got nothing going for him. And God comes to him and says, I've chosen you to be a deliverer. And Moses is like, dude, serious me? I can't talk. Who am I? I've made a mess of my life. I murdered a guy. Like, there's no way you could use me. And God says, no, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go to the palace. And Moses is like, look at my sandals, my, my feet are dirty. You want me to walk on those palace floors in the most prestigious building in the world to talk to the most powerful man in the world? God, there's no way, I could never do that. But then God says to, to Moses, he says in Exodus seven, I've made you as a God to Pharaoh. In other words, I've, got, I've placed you above Pharaoh. What in the world are you talking about? I'm just a shepherd. I could never do that. And God's saying, no, no, I've called you way above the way that you think. Come on, you can't trust the perce your perception of yourself. Come on, heaven sees you entirely different. Come on, get the thoughts that God thinks towards you and apply them to your life. Somebody say amen. All right, here's the third one. I gotta keep moving. The third one, what does the Gabriel say? He, he says, blessed and highly favored. And then he says, he says fear not. Mary, don't be afraid. This is important for us, especially at this time and season of what's going on all around us. Because fear is working overtime to get a hold of your life. But I wanna tell you something, when heaven invades your life, fear has to go. I'm gonna say that again. When heaven invades your life, fear has no choice. It's gotta go. It's gotta go. When heaven is a part of your life, the earth is, fear doesn't come from God. It comes, it comes from the enemy. And so the angel comes to, to Mary, and all of a sudden he senses the fear that's a part of her life in that moment. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, in the world that we live in today, some people actually think that fear is a good thing. 
People think that fear is a good thing, like, like somehow that fear is a gift from God. And I've heard people even explain it to me, that fear actually comes from God, because if we didn't have fear, we'd do stupid things. So fear is the thing that's keeping us from jumping off a cliff. Fear is the thing that's keeping us from doing these bizarre things. So fear is actually a, a good thing. Here, here's what I wanna tell you today, is that God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. He takes our spirit of fear and he replaces it with faith. And what God is speaking to us when he says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, he's telling you that anything that comes from fear is not coming from God. Can I hear somebody say amen? So you don't need fear to tell you not to jump off the cliff. You know what you need? You need wisdom. Like the balance of faith is wisdom, okay? So we have faith, we can believe, we can do all things through Christ. Wisdom gives us the steps to be able to accomplish the big things in, in Christ. Are you, are you with me? You don't need fear. Faith says, well, what if God comes through? Man, I could, I could try, what if, what if God shows up? What if I start a business and flourish? Fear says, what if you start a business and fail? Faith doesn't speak that way. That, that, that's the enemy speaking, speaking to, your li to your life. What, what if I ask her out and she says no? That's fear. Faith says, what if I ask her out and she says yes? That, that's what faith says. Come on, we need to have a, a, a spirit of faith operating in our life. Somebody say amen. God wants, you to, God wants you to live by faith. He's given you a measure of faith. Come on, he's put it inside of you. Make a decision today that says, you know what? I'm adopting heaven's culture. Fear has to go. I'm walking by faith. I'm stepping out. I'm going bold. I'm believing God. Somebody say amen. Number four. Number four, God's got bigger plans than you do. See, Mary, Mary has a plan. Her plan is to marry Joseph. She, you know, I'm sure she's probably thinking about it, like the possibilities. I'm gonna marry Joseph. We're gonna buy a house. It's gonna have a picket fence, have some kids. We're gonna have a nice little life together. All right, all right. That's her plans. Gabriel shows up on the scene and says, basically, Mary, your plans that you have for yourself, you can accomplish that without any help. Like you can do that by yourself. But Gabriel says, Gabriel shows up and says, look, heaven's plans are different than your plans. Heaven's ways are different than your ways. Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, you're gonna bring forth the Messiah. All of the, you are gonna, you are gonna give birth to the Messiah that's gonna split time, B.C., A.D. You're gonna give birth to the son of the highest and his kingdom will have no end. And, and all of us, we come, we come to God and we come to, when we're living our life, we all have some sort of a plan. When you come into the house of God, you, you have some sort of, of, of a plan. You should have a plan. There's, that's good, that's, that's awesome. But when heaven invades, he doesn't bring plans that fit you. When heaven invades your life, he brings plans and dreams that fit him. Because if you can accomplish your dream by yourself, you get the credit. But when you do something that only God can do with your life, he gets the glory. Are, are you with me today? A God dream is always bigger than you. A God dream is always bigger than your ability. It's above your experience. If you do what only you can do, you get the credit. But when you do what God's called you to do, he gets the glory. Are you with me today? When heaven invades your, your life, it overrides your plans into something much greater. 
And so all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up. He says, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. His kingdom is going to have no end. Like, like this, is, this is crazy stuff. And, and Mary says the same question we would have asked. How is that possible? There's no way I could do that. that that's what Mary says. How, how can this be? I'm, I'm not even married. How is this even possible? And what I love is, 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 is Gabriel's response. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And it's the same response for each and every one of us. That God's got plans and dreams for your life that you can't do by yourself. So we ask the question, how can we do that? I'll tell you how. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He fills us with his spirit. He gives us the gifts. He gives us the, the ability to do things we couldn't do on our own power. Can somebody say amen? All things are possible with God. I love the Holy Spirit. I love that we're a Holy Spirit-filled church. I love that we believe in the gifts of the Spirit that are for today, that God can do and will do and is doing the same things and even greater things than these he's doing through his believers. Somebody shout amen. Amen. The last thing that I, want, I see from this text with Gabriel, and I gotta wind this thing down, is that God destroys labels. God destroys labels. Because Mary says, how is this gonna happen? Gabriel says, well, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you, and just to prove it. You know, you know your, uh, your, 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 your cousin there, Elizabeth? You know your older cousin, Elizabeth, the one that's been barren? The one who is, Gabriel, exact words, the one who is called barren. Well, she's pregnant now. She's about to give birth. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing to be barren. Being barren is bad enough. I mean, imagine Elizabeth. She, she grew up her whole life, had a dream of a family, just to be disappointed month after month. I mean, she, she's, a, she's a good woman, too. She's, she's doing everything right. She's married to a guy by the name of Zachariah. Zachariah is the priest. We know that Zechariah was an active priest. He was active in ministry because God showed up and he had an encounter with God while he's ministering. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're good people, but man, their life has been hard. Things haven't worked out the way they, they had hoped. They have no children. They have no legacy. The dream that they, that they thought was gonna be theirs was shattered. Long past, Elizabeth is old. Here's the thing, it's, it's, one, it's one thing to be barren, but Gabriel says, your relative who is called barren. It's one thing to be barren. It's another thing to be called barren. What that tells us is that every time that she would go to the market, and when she's walking around the village, the ladies were, would mumble and they would gossip and they would say, man, look at her. Something must be wrong with her. She must have something, some secret sin in her life or something. She must be cursed by God because she has no kids. If, if God loved her, she would have children. So this woman, here's Elizabeth, living not only with the pain of being barren, but also living with the pain of being called barren. But Gabriel comes and it's almost like he can't wait. He, he, I don't even know if he was supposed to tell Mary that. Like he let the cat out of the bag early. Like, like Elizabeth probably wanted to have like this massive reveal with the whole family, right? But Gabriel just blew the whole thing open. He's like, Elizabeth's pregnant. Elizabeth's pregnant. In other words, it was something that just kind of came out of Gabriel. He was so excited to say, hey, the woman who was called barren. In other words, God destroys labels. He destroys labels. And I'm not sure maybe what was spoken over you in your life. All of us have... I've probably at one time or another, someone's tried to put a label over us. 
I'm here today to tell you that labels are for packages, not for people. People have tried to put labels on us and say, well, accident, mistake, abused, addicted, afflicted, bound. No good, dysfunctional. Come on, I mean, just, just, just kind of go, just go. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's even right now, Satan has tried to attach a label to you and it just comes to the, right now, even as I talk about it, it just kind of comes to the forefront of your mind. I'm here today to tell you that God destroys labels. And just like Elizabeth was called barren, she would, she would later be called mom by John the Baptist, who would be her son, who prepared the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. God destroys labels. He destroys labels. So I was thinking about all of these things and I was just looking at this first interaction in our Christmas story. And the thing that's, that stuck out to me the most is this, is Gabriel has spoken all this to Mary, but she hasn't even agreed to this yet. So we, we can gather all of these things, heaven's culture just collided with earth's culture, and now Mary, she's faced with a decision, right? And we know what she says, she says, she says to Gabriel, after hearing all of this, she says, behold the maidservant of the Lord. And look what she says. She says, let it be to me according to your word. You know what she was saying that day? She was saying yes. She was saying yes. And here's the thing. Heaven's just invaded her family. He's replaced the whining and complaining with rejoicing. He's traded Mary's broken view of herself with her identity in Christ, blessed and highly favored. He's offered faith instead of fear, did not be afraid. He's presented plans beyond her ability, dreams that only God could execute. You're gonna, you're gonna have a son, he's gonna be called the son of the most high. Smashing labels that have been placed upon her and her family, calling her above and not beneath. And now, and now Mary's faced with a decision, what do I do now? And what I love is she says, let it be to me according to your word. Because here's the thing, to have what heaven offers, there's a price. There's always a price. When she was saying yes to what Gabriel was presenting, she knew that she was gonna have to somehow try to explain that yeah, I'm pregnant, Joseph, and the baby's not yours, but I'm, I haven't been with anybody else this is actually God's baby and you know, he, he's the one that put the baby in me. He's just gotta try to explain that. And how's that gonna go over? She was, she was risking losing her relationship with Joseph. Not only that, she was facing the shame of, of what everyone else thought, the disappointment her parents would have toward her because she's pregnant. The fact that, that the penalty for being pregnant outside of wedlock was death by stoning. And so here's Mary in the, in the middle of all this, God's got all this, heaven's invading, and this is amazing, but man, this is gonna cost me here. And what I love is Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. I'm gonna tell you right now, the best yes that I have ever made in my life was saying yes to Jesus. It was the best yes, the best yes, because, because you know when I said yes to Jesus, all of a sudden, he turned my tears into joy. He smashed the labels that I had placed on myself, the identity I created for myself, and he, and he gave me a new perspective of how heaven views me. He, he replaced my fear for faith. 
Come on, that's what God, that's what heaven, that's what happens when heaven invades your family. So maybe you're here today, all over this room, and the challenge for you is, is what's your response? Because heaven wants to, he wants to make, God wants to make your life here on earth as it is in heaven. But you're faced with a choice. What do you say to that? Your house can be full of rejoicing or it can be full of whining and complaining. And you have the choice. You can view yourself the way the world views you and the way you, or you can view yourself the way heaven does, but, but you have a choice. You have a choice. This Christmas season, the beginning of this Christmas season, I'm, 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 I'm imploring you to say, be it unto me according to your word. God, whatever you want, that's what I want. I say yes to you. I say yes to you if that's you. Come on, stand your feet if that's you. This, this season, you're saying, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to heaven. I'm saying yes to what heaven wants. I'm saying yes, because the earth is going to try to invade too, but heaven wants to invade your family. He wants to invade your spirit this holiday season. He wants to place in you a new faith. He wants to put inside of you a new song. Come on, are you with me today? He wants to give you a new dream. He wants to give you a new, a, a new dream, a new plan for your life. All you have to do, come on, yes, yes, God, yes, God. I'll forsake all others and follow you. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Come on, can we worship the Lord? Say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I want what you want. I want what heaven has. Come on, say it right now. I want what heaven has. I want what heaven has. Come on, come on. Just begin to thank the Lord. God, we thank you, Jesus. Come on. Let's sing it out. I just want you and nothing else. Come on. Nothing else. Come on, sing it out. And nothing else will do. And I just want Come on, sing it out. Nothing else. Nothing else. Want you, Jesus. Nothing else. Oh, yeah. And nothing else will do. Come on.
You know, the greatest yes, the greatest yes I ever made was saying yes to Jesus. Because that yes began a series of events in my life. My life has never been the same. When I gave my life to Christ, literally everything changed in my life. And what happened is it unlocked a series of events, event after event, and the plan of God just kind of unfolded in my life. Has everything been perfect? Well, if you've been around here, you know that's it's not been perfect. There's always different, different things that we go up against, different str struggles that we have, but, but all of it's part of God's plan. Because even through the troubles, even through the trials, even through the hardships, He's preparing us for something greater. I think it's, it's kind of like what Jordan was talking about earlier. He says, he said, if God showed you steps four, five, and six, you probably wouldn't do one, two, and three. But when you say yes to step one, and you just begin to move by faith along the purpose of God's life, I'm gonna tell you what, you'll never be dissatisfied. Because he wants to do something in your life that's, that goes far beyond anything you could, your wildest dreams, because he, re, he replaces heaven. When heaven invades, it replaces whining and complaining with rejoicing. Come on, are you with me today? It, when, when heaven invades, heaven's, heaven's perspective of you overrides your perspective of, perspective of you. You see you the way heaven sees you. I'm going to tell you something, it's way better. It's way better when you see yourself the way God sees you. He gives you faith instead of fear. Come on, aren't you grateful that you don't have to walk in fear, walk in guilt, walk in shame, walk in... We don't have to walk. We can walk by faith. Aren't you grateful that God's plans are so much bigger than your plans? He's got, he's got great plans for your life that, that He wants to unfold right before your very eyes. And it's not something that you can do. It's something only He could do. And when it happens, He gets the glory. Come on, are you with me today? He, he's a label-smashing God. Those words that have been spoken of you your entire life, those aren't meant for you. Labels aren't meant for people. They're meant for packages. He's a label destroying God. Are you with me today? So what do we do? We say, yes, God. We say, yes, yes, God. Lord, we're praying for heaven to invade this life. And we know it will cost us. And we know it's not going to be easy. But we say yes to you. We say yes to heaven. We say yes to heaven's culture. Because what we want on earth is what's going on in heaven. We want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, if that's your prayer, say, I just want you. Come on, come on, lift your voice, Lord. I just want you and nothing else. Come on, I just want you and nothing else. Come on, lift your hand all over this room and say, I want nothing else will do. I just want you and I just want Good job. Always thank you.
you for doing a work in our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus. Lord, I don't want to be a complaining person, Lord. I don't want to be that kind of person, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me to remember the joy, the joy that it is walking with you, Lord. Your, your joy gives me strength, and I'm grateful for you for it, Lord. We thank you this morning. Amen. How many appreciate that word that was brought forth this morning? Amen. Oh, man, I, I, let, me just, let me just say this. I encourage you, if you really get something out of a message, let your pastor know. Let him know. Go and say, hey, I really appreciated that word. That was some powerful stuff. I've been doing that lately, and I, I, I really I love the way that feels from myself. When I hear something in the message that really speaks to my heart, to go to my pastor and say, hey, dude, that man, crushed that today. That was, that was amazing. Make sure you do that. Hey, I want to encourage you next week. If you have a name of a kid that you're going to be sponsoring with, with some shoes and a jacket, make sure you bring those things next week. They're due next week. And uh, it's the Christmas season. There's a lot of people that are, that are looking to maybe go to church. Maybe they're kind of on the edge. Maybe this is the Christmas season that I go to church. Invite some people to church. Let's fill this place up next week. Can we do that together? We want to thank you for coming. God bless you as you go. We love you today. Have a great day.